Hi, this is Terry. Bridget and I are taking a two-week break, getting episodes ready for the launch of Season 5, which will begin May 29th. But please enjoy today's episode, which is a rebroadcast of our second season in review. Hi, Terry. Hello, Bridget. Today we're going to do our Season 2 wrap-up, kind of some of the lessons and highlights from last season. Mm-hmm. And we start each episode by saying we're not experts. And I know that that sounds like it's just a disclaimer, but I think for us, it's also a reminder, you know, we're all in this together. We're all learning and we learn from every single interview and every single story we hear too. We're just yeah. the messengers. We're not the teachers. Exactly. We're the messengers. Exactly. So as we wrap it up, let's share some of our favorite excerpts. You can start. Okay. Well, the first episode um, was actually you, Terry, and it was titled Ask a Different Question. Mm -hmm. And this was an article that was reprinted on The Mighty, and it has had a huge amount of likes and listens and been reprinted twice, three times, I believe. You see, in addition to being prone to depression, I am an optimistic, easygoing, loving, funny, independent, resourceful, creative, intelligent woman with a big heart and easy laugh. That's how people know me. It's also a primary reason why I've gotten so little support through the dark times. I love that you pointed out, Terry, that having depression is a part of who you are, but only a part. That long list of all your other aspects is so true, and it's such a good reminder because when we're in the grips of a depression, it's hard to remember that you're more than that. So thank you for writing that. Absolutely. We're all more than that. So then having read that very article, we move on to the second episode, which was Ripple Report 2 with Patrick. And he was a social worker who reached out to us to say that that perspective changed the way he's talking to people at the crisis line where he works. And that's where these self-disclosure stories are so important. Instead of being... uh, mental illness, all of a sudden, it's it's got a name to it. It's got a person to it. And that is what changes people's reactions to it. And that's what changes how we think about it. And ultimately, it's got a result in better care systems, better access to mental health services, decreased stigma, and for more people to feel more comfortable to ask for help. The next one, we get to hear Liz talking. We called it identifying and managing depression. And I really like Liz's story because she is, she's just making it so obvious that sometimes we need help and sometimes we need to give help. I didn't know. It took somebody else to see this. And somebody else identified it for me and said, I think, I think you have depression. And at that point, I was like, I think you're right. This feels different. I like Liz's word choice where she says that antidepressants can level the playing field. It doesn't take the problems or the issues away, but it makes you be in a position where you're more resourceful and able to relate to uh, what's happening differently. I hope you can get to the point where you can understand that this is not a failure on your part. If you can trust me, because I've been through this, you will feel better. I just saw her yesterday. And she's been on the antidepressants and it levels the playing field. She's not any different. She's just more of herself without having to carry an extensive amount of baggage. And then Dr. Patrick Corrigan in our Fighting Stigma episode. I like this one because we can say it's important to talk and to share your stories, and we've just heard some examples. But to have a really prestigious and credible researcher uh, confirm that was really nice. 
education really doesn't work, which is a big shock. That's uh, not just a cranky old professor saying it. It's really based <laughs> on meta-analyses and a lot of other studies. Um, what really leads to changing is face-to-face human interactions between people who are struggle with a condition and everybody else who, for, for lack of a better word, we'll call the public. Specifically, interactions which communicate recovery, not just illness or struggles. You like to talk about on the way down story. So that is the challenges the person had with serious mental illness. Um, and on the way up stories, which is despite those challenges, people recover they should have goals, they can achieve, they should be hopeful. And that's what the combining leads to the best message. Next, we have Perfectly Hidden Depression by Dr. Margaret Rutherford. She defines what perfectly hidden depression means, and she points out that just because you can sometimes hide your depression doesn't mean that that's working for you. I've used the metaphor frequently, other than shoving it back in the closet as far as you possibly can get it and trying to forget it's there. It's still having an impact on you, whether you know it or not. And gradually, the loneliness, exhaustion of keeping up that way of being is is going to uh, seep into the rest of your life. And you simply won't have as healthy and productive and happy a life as you could. You won't feel connected to people. The next episode, Terry, you're sharing your personal story with us, and it's called Depression Lies. Depression convinces me, in my own voice nonetheless, that whatever is bad will only get worse, and whatever could be better is no longer an available option. It's my own brain forming these toxic thoughts, and with a lifelong backstage pass to all things me, it has deadly aim. And then the next episode was called Offering and Asking for Support. And in it, Ben gave us some really good advice on the timing of support. I think that if you know that somebody often has issues with depression and anxiety or both, that if you, in a time where things are going well for them, have some sort of discussion about, hey, I'm here for you whenever that stuff happens, or like if you ever want to talk, or we can always do like a, I don't know, a movie night with no questions asked or something like that. When someone's feeling good, I think that that's a lot more beneficial than coming in suddenly when someone's feeling depressed. And next we'll hear an excerpt from Duff the Psych about self-help. I like to think of depression kind of as a parasite because it does all of the things to you that it needs to keep itself strong. It saps your energy. So it makes you feel more lethargic, which makes you not do things, which makes you feel more guilty, which makes you feel more depressed. And so it goes in a cycle and it builds itself up and up and up. Great metaphor. And then we talked with Jennifer, who founded This Is My Brave, and she talked about two really common feelings for people with depression. I didn't have any friends or family members that I knew of that had experienced something similar. So it was a feeling of isolation and also fear. I feared that I would never get better. I feared that I would always be depressed and that I was always going to feel things in, in tones of gray and But once we got the right medicine, it was like I could feel my old self coming back. And that was that was really a relief. And next we hear from Mary talking about depression and the elderly. She shares her isolation and her surprise that depression came as an unwanted guest into her life. The average person like me doesn't like to admit to depression. 
I associate it with a weakening on my part when I should be coping better. Meanwhile, my low-grade depression messes up everything about how I feel about things now. Like, what does it really matter anyway? Or do I really have to get out there and try to enjoy things? What a way to live. And then we talked with Dr. Trivedi in the episode Research is Underway. Um, and he really defined for us the difference between sad and depressed, as did two other experts in that episode, if you haven't heard it. All of us can have ups and downs in life. And when you have a down period, you do feel down. But there are two major things. One is even when you are feeling down, if there is some positive thing happening in your life or some positive event, you temporarily or even sometimes immediately get out of that funk and start sort of communicating like you were before. Mm -hmm. If you have depression, it is very hard to do that. Because your ruminative negative thoughts just overtake no matter what the environment is. And the second thing is that when somebody has a depressive illness, depressive syndrome, then that negative thoughts, negative feelings is basically is like a cloud hanging over your head, taking over everything you think and feel and do. Mm So that it is much more expansive, much more covering the all areas of your life. Next, we hear part one of suicide prevention with Dr. Barbara Moser. She brings up the reality that depression and suicide should be treated like other illnesses. She gives us practical information that we all need to know, kind of like knowing the signs of a stroke or knowing how to do basic CPR. So the most important thing we can do is to physically be with somebody and to be a supportive empathetic presence in that person's life and to ask are you thinking of suicide are you thinking of killing yourself and that bluntly that bluntly because if you ask for instance are you thinking of hurting yourself somebody may just say no I'm not thinking of hurting myself. Well, they may not be thinking of hurting themselves. They may be thinking of killing themselves. In my experience and in the training I've had in suicide prevention, the best way to ask is just to be very direct and say, are you thinking of suicide? And then in part two of that same series, Suicide Prevention, Dr. Moser continues not only giving us specific language for that difficult conversation, but also a really good way to have some support when you are having it if you are not trained or confident enough to go it alone. Don't leave them alone. Don't leave them alone. It's a huge commitment, but you have to be there. That's that's part of being a human being is to be there for, for someone in that situation. And so you can say, hey... I know you feel reluctant to call an emergency line or get help, but I'm feeling like I don't know what to do and I don't want anything to happen to you. I care about you. So I want to make this call right now and I'm going to call and then I'm hoping that you're going to get on the phone with me and take over on the call. And we can talk to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline together. And I'll help you through this call. And put it on speaker and be right there with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great idea. And that that really can can make a difference. And that number, which we have on both our website and Facebook page in several places, is 1-800-273-8255. 
1-800-273-8255. And then we changed our focus to teen depression and suicide, and we had the amazing vehicle of a documentary called Not Alone to help us tell stories. And I picked this excerpt because I marveled at how articulately these teenagers were able to define and describe what depression feels like to them, even though it broke my heart to hear it. It's like standing in front of a window when it's pouring rain and thundering and debris is like flying in the room and you cannot shut the window. Like you cannot turn it off. Every single day was just like walking in like a big stream of water, like walking upstream and it's pushing against you so hard and you just think it'd be so much easier to just let yourself fall in. And it's so heavy and I couldn't lift it and I couldn't get out from under it. And the reason it's so easy to consider committing suicide is because it's so exhausting to stand there in front of that window every single day. Heartbreaking. And in part two, my takeaway, ask for help. I had known for a while that I should really say something because I couldn't like stop these feelings on my own. One night, me and my mom were walking our dog and it was over the summer and I just got the courage to just say like, I don't, I think I need some help. So I reached out for help because I just decided someone should be able to help me. Like this is not something I should have to go through alone, so I'll give it a shot. (laughs) We recommend watching that documentary. It's a really good one and it's available on several platforms. You just have to uh, Google not alone teen documentary. So that's our summary of season two. And we have some great interviews coming up for season three, which starts next Tuesday. Feel free to reach out to us on our Facebook community, our webpage. If you have any suggestions on other aspects that you would find uh, interesting to hear about regarding depression, let us know. And we encourage you to download and share any of the episodes you just heard about or listen to them in their entirety on iTunes or SoundCloud or on our website givingvoicetodepression.com. If any of the episodes really resonate with you, you can listen to them in their entirety where you're listening to this one or on iTunes, SoundCloud, or a number of other places. Thanks again, and we'll be back soon.